Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Star Wars Meanderings and Ramblings. Again, you can find me at my blog on WordPress, starwarsandon.wordpress.com. And of course, you'll see the latest podcast episodes there. But if you go way back, you'll find blog posts. I've had it for over 10 years. You'll find me when I used to write and have time to write and wrote about all things Star Wars. So again, Star Wars Anon, A-N-O-N dot WordPress, WordPress.com. And then, of course, you can find me on Instagram, The Virtual Jedi, and also LinkedIn, Kiri Mohan. I am all over there, but that's all business and not a lot of Star Wars. So I'm thinking of bringing Star Wars into it somehow into my business. Today, we have Zachary Jeffries, who I'm super excited to interview because we're going to be talking about Jedi, all things Jedi, one of my favorite topics. So. Zachary, please introduce yourself. Tell us about yourself. Um, I know you're an author, so give us a little bit more about that, why you love Star Wars, and what your favorite Star Wars movie is. Uh, yeah, uh, it's absolutely great to be here. I love listening to the podcast, let me just say. I, I am a listener, not just a guest, but uh, my name is Zachary Joff, uh, Jeffries, and I have uh, a lot of YA fantasy books out. I have a new book out uh, February 14th for Valentine's Day, Angel of Fate about a grim reaper who falls in love with a Greek fate. Uh, I am a big Jedi fan. Uh, I was a really good uh, age for the prequel trilogy. So I started camping out and seeing those movies at their midnight showings. uh, And that continued through that trilogy. And then uh, I I was so stoked and and saw each of the sequel trilogies uh, in, in, uh, theaters my favorite i mean it sounds just so basic but it's probably empire it's probably empire <laughs> but Strikes it's so Back. good i know it's so it good is so, so it's good. totally fine to say that <laughs> uh and i i again i absolutely love this podcast uh i will say you and i don't have the exact same opinion on a lot of things but i really appreciate your opinion because almost my favorite uh tie tying empire is uh, the Last Jedi. I love The Last Jedi so much, but let me say that until I listen to your podcast, especially your deep dive on The Last Jedi, I never really understood the the hate, the perspective against mm-hmm. it, except for like people just, Ray bad. Why is Ray so good at things? Mm-hmm. And like, I really did, didn't appreciate that perspective because it didn't really tell me what people disliked about it. And I really gained a huge understanding of what people felt and the reasoning behind the pushback against The Last Jedi. And I absolutely appreciate it. I don't necessarily agree with it because I love, love, love that movie. But listening to your uh, podcast really opened my eyes to that. So I do appreciate uh, uh, the perspective that I get listening to you. And I appreciate you saying that. Really, I do. Um, As someone who I've never met, because sometimes I interview people who I have met and who are friends. Um, But that was actually one of my favorite conversations on The Last Jedi with my high school friend, John Bershotti, because um, he did actually change my opinion on something. And that was the the Luke standoff at the end with Kylo Ren. I always thought it was cheapened by him, you know, being a force projection. But he kind of, okay, I won't say he changed my opinion that's very hard to do (laughs) but he made me see a new light on you know maybe it's actually cooler right like that he was able to use the force that powerfully to project and trick kylo ren so 
I have a little bit more appreciation for that last scene now because of his argument. Everything else I stand by. I still think Leia floating in space is stupid. I think the whole Canto Bite thing is stupid. I think a lot of it is stupid. <laughs> but see, I'm getting all worked up now and angry. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that last scene, he he did change my opinion a little bit on that. Um, so anyway, welcome. We today are talking about Jedi. And that is one of my favorite, favorite discussions because I was... 11 or 12 when the phantom menace came out maybe 12 i just maybe i could just turn 12 and it changed my life i had seen star wars before then i enjoyed star wars ish but seeing the phantom menace just cemented you know when you like see something and it's just that right time in your life mm-hmm. and it just speaks to you mm-hmm. and i think that's what the phantom menace was and i adored qui-gon jen I adored Qui-Gon Jinn. I adored the Jedi and understanding their the way they worked and the council. And back then, I held them in the highest esteem. And then as they began to fall from power and got wiped out by Revenge of the Sith, it was so sad for me to see. As an adult, I have mad respect for George Lucas and everything he did showing their fall and their crumble and the way that they were like they were a horse with blinders on, basically. They did not want to see what was going on around them. So today we're going to be talking a lot about the absolutist in the Jedi, you know, mm-hmm. and we're going to be pulling in. Let's let's start with that. Um, you wanted to talk about Obi-Wan's famous line in Revenge of the Sith. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. And there's so many memes out there, right, with that, mm-hmm. <laughs> with that quote. But let, yes, let us talk about that because you brought up the Jedi code and it's not absolutist. Tell me about what you're thinking. Well, I mean, that in and of itself is an absolutist statement, uh, as well as the Jedi Code is full of absolutist statements. All of uh, the the very hard line of forbidding attachments and these relationships, uh, the fact that they are against Jedi's, you know, uh, falling in love or starting families and, and, and things like that. Uh, it's to the point where they don't, they definitely don't learn from it because when it's time for Luke and this next generation, after the fall of the Jedi, after the hubris, you know, led to the crumbling and the, the dissolving of the council and all of that, they still haven't learned because when Luke's like, I, I, you know, I got these friends, I'm going to go save my friends. Uh, Yoda says no. Uh, the, the force ghost of uh, Obi-Wan says no. Um, what is it? Yoda says, if you leave now, help them, you could, but you would destroy all of which they have fought and suffered. Uh, it just seems like they never learn that if they are fighting these concepts of hate, that they have to use love. They mm. don't you they don't agree to use uh, love and attachment and honestly, even teamwork. They really kind of like going out solo or a master and apprentice in a very specific relationship where the the Padawan uh, apprentice or learner, you know, is always going to defer to the judgment. So it really is just like the singular person going out to solve problems rather than teamwork, community. Uh, and th- those are the kind of things that, you know, can help win wars. And that's just not in their strategy. Do you think, though, that the reason why they were going out singular is because they didn't have many Jedi to begin with? So when they were stretched thin, and this is a topic actually we can get into, but they were stretched thin over the Clone Wars. 
they probably shouldn't have even been generals or leaders in the Clone Wars because they're guardians of the peace. And I think we saw that more in The Phantom Menace. Like when Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon go out to help Naboo, it was a Naboo conflict that they're just going out there to help, like, protect the queen or help with negotiations. They're not really taking control over it. At least that's not the impression I ever got. But then mm-hmm. they were kind of forced into this position with the Trade Federation, of course, was being the Trade Federation and screwed everything up. So I I guess my my argument is, yes, they were singular, and but is that because there was no other they're so they're so stretched thin like you know there's not that many jedi on purpose like they're an exclusive club and mm-hmm. that's hard to get into you have to have the force so i i don't think that is something that can be argued really well sense? i i would agree well what what my counter would be is yeah they found out when it was too late because i think by gatekeeping so hard and by not pushing teamwork they got themselves into the Clone Wars. I think there's another point in that in this universe, they are the gatekeepers of the Force. And let me be very serious. The Force is the probably the greatest magic system in storytelling history. I love how it's mysterious, how it's everywhere, how it's this huge interconnection. And in almost every single movie, you find a new way that they use the force that they reach out mm-hmm. and they interact with, with, with the world and everything. It's but, actually, I would like to compare it to R2-D2. Every mm-hmm. single movie you'll see R2-D2 has a new trick. He does. It's so and great. I, I don't God, know what, what I noticed character. that, but I was like, Oh, like, cause I kind of took it for granted, but it is kind of mm-hmm. like that. And like, um, especially in the prequel trilogy, you started seeing more and more cool ways. When he blasted off, when he like flew, that was yes. like the, that's one of my favorite moments. That was so good. Uh, <laughs> but, but there, so you take the absolutism all the way to the point where they won't accept anyone into their Jedi order unless they can move on to become a master, unless they have them when they're young enough that they can be mm-hmm. a youngling and then a, uh, all 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 of the steps they have to go through all the steps there's no person that's kind of force sensitive that helps there there's a whole universe out there so there have to be some people that aren't up to these levels of passing the trials but they're still force sensitive they could bring those people in they could work with them they could have allies that use the force that aren't Mm. in the Jedi, but the Jedi are absolutists. The Jedi, you have to jump through these hoops. You have to go through this specific training process. And if not, I guess you never really find out what happens if you fail the trials uh, that I know of. It may be in the books, but uh, I don't remember. Uh, That's a good question. Now, now I'm starting to think back if I've ever read about. I assume you're, I, I assume you're, cut off or banished in some way i i imagine you're not still working with the jedi in any Are form the, i mean like there's that lightsaber episode in the clone wars that's not really the trials but they have to like go make their own lightsaber and they go to the kaiser crystal caves but that's not really and i think everyone succeeds i mean it's the clone wars so i'm sure everyone succeeds just kitchen. yeah um but yeah that's a good question I, I you know i'm gonna research that afterwards let me put a note in there and that was actually a question that i had from the last Jedi is the the island of nuns. 
alien nuns <laughs> for a better for for better or worse term uh I was wondering if you know are they a little force sensitive and is that a part of their religion I think but, they are I don't I don't want to say um for definite, I read about them in the Star Wars Insider, but that was like years ago. It was like when mm-hmm. The Last Jedi came out and they had this whole section on them. And now, of course, like because I disliked The Last Jedi, I haven't really looked into it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they did have some force sensitivity or they were or they were just there to to protect the force. You're, you're asking great questions. So I'm not like that good at anything sequel trilogy. I, <laughs> and I'm not. I'm also not. I, I, there's so much material out yeah, there. Yeah, but but like it like we pisses can't me get off to. when I don't know stuff. Yeah, when, I, when people ask me questions, it like pisses me off. I'm like, God, I read this. I read this, and now I can't remember. But okay, another question. But I feel like uh, I feel like the Jedi kind of got themselves into the trouble of spreading themselves too thin in the Clone Wars because they don't have uh, a network where they bring in people that are just kind of force sensitive. They mm-hmm. don't bring in, uh, cause you know, maybe or maybe not uh, Finn might be a little force sensitive. He, I think, you know, that was confirmed. That was confirmed that he is force sensitive. Exa- yeah. So but it's not obvious in the movies. So it's not, that, but that it was afterwards. It's probably did the most dirty. Uh, <laughs> I love TLJ, but but what they did to Finn is is probably the the biggest sin in my mind of that movie. But uh, okay, no, now I want to argue that because that was actually one part I liked about that movie was that they showed when like Re- that Ray was his only connection to I, the resistance. Like he really actually didn't have his heart and soul in it until he met Rose, and Rose was the one that convinced him that you know the resistance is something worth fighting for. People are worth I think that's fantastic. I, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, I think both of us agree that Kanto Bite is kind of just a, a weird thing that went off and kind of sucked up a lot of movie time. But I also don't think that a former stormtrooper is the one that needs to learn the lesson that there are two sides to this war because he Ooh, was the one point. that was on both sides. Whereas yeah. I think Poe could have learned that. I think if you had switched Poe and Finn's storylines and Finn is finally in the resistance and he wants, he knows what to do and we can do this and we can finish them off. And he's just full of hatred for these people that oppressed him so much growing up. He's the one that has to learn. No, this isn't just the wild West, even though they were the resistance, you still have to follow the chain of command and we have to, do things right, not out of hatred, but the mm. right way to win and and keep Ooh, I, us alive. I really like that, actually. I think that could have been right. really interesting if they switched that. I'm wondering if maybe in an earlier draft it was that way and then it got changed. I don't know. That's as a story to, as a writer myself, I always wonder what what got mm. moved around in the in the rewrites, especially in the sequel trilogy here, because there must have been so many cooks in the kitchen, so many people that reviewed it and say, no, change yeah. this, change this. Yeah. So I'm wondering if the Jedi were a little less uh, absolutist and a little less specific about absolute training and every step, and they had more allies, more people in the fold that weren't just either masters or 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 knights or or learners, then they could have handled the Clone Wars better. And another thing that I will like to say. Uh, I love the Force so much 
And I love the Jedi in the original trilogy because you they're still so mysterious and you don't learn about it. But once it really solidifies in that prequel, then you really start to see what George Lucas did and how some things are counter to each other because in some way they're like samurai, but in some way they're like Buddhist monks and those kind of, those Mm. ideas go against each other because, Mm. you know, they're, they're peacekeepers and they're searching for peace and oneness with nature and the world around them, but they also don't mind killing and you know there there are some there are some ideals that 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 butt heads once you really flesh it out too much, uh, and that's do you, I don't that's know if you, I things... would I, I might argue against saying they don't mind killing. I think they do. And observing the lightsaber battles, um, they are taught to be on the defensive, right, not on the offensive, mm-hmm. not start the attack. And and I love the Empire Strikes Back because that's you know Luke's first lightsaber battle against um, Vader, and he does not attack; he waits. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you see kind of a switch in Return of the Jedi when he gets angry and he attacks, and how that's kind of like more dark side. Um, but I don't think they enjoy killing. I don't. I don't. Think I don't know it's about enjoy. I not just enjoy, don't but think... I don't think they even not mind. I think they do try to avoid it. I think it it's it's inter- okay. So here I'm going to bring up something that just came out on Disney Plus, and it's the um, Tales of the Force or something. It was like mm-hmm. these little shorts, and we see in it this like the progression of Dooku mm-hmm. to the dark side, which is like a kind of interesting storyline, and how Qui Gon is like disturbed by the killing and the the roots that Dooku takes to achieve his ends means, which is whatever is necessary. And if we have to kill people on the way, then that's what we have to do. And, and Qui-Gon's mm-hmm. very much like, this does, this doesn't sit well with me. So I think, I think, or maybe this is just me and my love for Jedi clouding my judgment right now. Right. But I, I want to say, I feel like they do try to prevent it at all costs from. Okay. Like, okay. Are you against me? Against me. Okay. So I will say this is one thing, uh, and I think this, I don't know if this was in one of the ideas that I had for the show. And honestly, I would love to come back to this show and talk mm-hmm. about this because this is one of my favorite aspects of uh, Star Wars that I don't think is brought up enough. The droids are alive. The droids oh, are sentient I wrote, beings. I wrote, I wrote a whole blog post about this years ago. If people oh, okay. I'll go back and I look did. that up. I like how the stormtroopers are more droids than even though they're humans, then the droids who are more human. Well, how many times does C-3PO say, I don't want to die, uh, especially in that original trilogy? So I think if once you take I'm that not into account, they are massacring droids in the prequel trilogy. They are just Ooh, wailing yes, through point. them. And I think that's a way to get, to keep the rating low as a movie. That's a way of keeping the rating low with, with violence that's not, that wouldn't have made it, you know, PG 13 or, mm. or, or worse. Um, but I mean, I would say that they kill a lot. I don't think that they like killing. I just think, especially when it comes to droids, they kill pretty indiscriminately. But yeah, battle droids, which are made on mass, it's kind of supposed to be like, like stormtroopers, clone troopers. Like, you know, they're just on mass battle droids, you know, assembly I mean, line. Spin maybe out. they shouldn't, maybe they shouldn't be killing. <laughs> stormtroopers that much too. How about, I, I mean, I maybe not. But 
I, I, again, I appreciate your perspective on this. Uh, but I will say, and I think you might agree with me on this one, that Qui-Gon had probably the best amount of perspective of any Jedi. Oh, 100%. And I think, yeah, his understanding uh, and, and his point of view, I think that absolutely makes sense that, that he would say something that, that would connect with us so much because he had such a great perspective. I've, uh, he was very in tune with the present. He, he talked to Obi-Wan several times about the present, whereas I feel like Yoda and a lot of Mace Windu and some others were a little more obsessed with the future and moving forward. And they had this idea of what things were coming. And I think Qui-Gon was so rooted in the present. Because also because they were obsessed, they couldn't see the future. Something was clouding the future. So the more Mm -hmm. it clouded the future, the more obsessed they got with the Mm -hmm. future and trying to prevent what was whatever was coming. And that is exactly what happened to Anakin. He wanted to prevent Padme's death. And he wanted to go by any means necessary to prevent Padme's death. Maybe, maybe Yoda saw the Clone Wars as a way to prevent this clouded, dark, ominous future. I don't know. I can't confirm that. But maybe in a way he was like teeter-tottering on the dark side as well without knowing it. And that well, is, I is think... so interesting. No, I ahead. think uh, I think that's what's interesting about the Jedi is that they were once the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy. And they fell from that. Pretty quickly once the Sith started coming into the light, because I think their need for control just overrode everything. Their need to keep things the status quo, which, of course, is good in some ways. Like the Republic was good. It was a good. But their roles in the Republic. I think they just wanted to keep that like almost like that. What do they call the old boys club or the old man's club? Whenever like, you know, like those old Mm -hmm. and like they. Like even now, sometimes people call them, but like, you know, there used to be like these men's clubs that you could only get into if you were like a certain kind of person and women weren't allowed. So that's almost like what the Jedi are like. And they mm-hmm. wanted to keep that. They they wanted to keep the Republic and everything the same. And we see Ahsoka leave the Jedi Order because she realizes it's like the veil has been lifted. She's like, you guys are hypocrites too Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna stay here and she Mm -hmm. pieces out and like what anakin should have seen then is like oh yeah she's got a good point i should piece out too but he didn't and then he brought about brought about the destruction of everything and it was it was out of fear it was out of Mm -hmm. uh fear because of this connection because he was in love and fear is one of those things that the jedi will say is a bad thing and leads to the dark side but the jedi train with fear the Jedi. Yeah, go into you... that. How do they train with fear? Well, the most basic is put a blindfold on and then I'm going to shoot you with lasers with this little flying robot. Like that's 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 a good way of contracting fear. But I think the Oh, and in that in example... that um those little shorts, the Tales of the Force or whatever, I feel like I'm Tales mm-hmm. of Jedi, whatever. Um Ahsoka got in the middle surrounded by clone troopers. They all were on stun, but Anakin made them all shoot her because she was doing so well in the stimulate the simulation programs with like the the blasters and everything that mm-hmm. he took her out with the clone troopers and she like got knocked unconscious time and time and time and time again but like she was nervous you know she had to get up yeah. and like learn to control her fear but like they i feel like they almost have to use fear in their training because then how are you going to throw a jedi in the battlefield and say or wherever in a tense situation even if we're not talking about battles and say control your fear everything will be fine use the force 
Mm-hmm. You have to well, use fear in your training because they need to learn to master their fear and be calm and present so that when they're faced with real situations, they'll be able to master their fear. I, I would agree with that, but it, it, but it's almost like they're about stifling it. They're about shoving it down and put these feelings away. Like when they, when uh, Yoda sends Luke into the, cave to mm-hmm. to see his darkest fear and he sees vader and then vader has his own face and all in all of that uh super trippy awesome stuff mm-hmm. that's like the trippiest sequence i love that but it's about controlling your fear not using it not admitting that you have fear not discussing your fear it's about stamping it down because fear leads to hate and that's a very odd jump to make without giving an alternative without talking about but but fear is not necessarily a bad thing fear of death is what's going to keep you alive in a battlefield you can use your fear as a way of connecting with other people because everyone is afraid of something fear is this thing to be put away because you're supposed to show this stillness and this oneness uh and uh, what is it? Vader says, Obi-Wan has taught you well. You have controlled your fear. Now release your anger. Only your hatred can uh, destroy me. Uh, that makes me wonder if Vader understands that controlling fear is actually a step to the dark side. Would you say, I, I'm going to push back a little bit on this. I'm wondering if it's not controlling your fear, but confronting your fear. Like the cave to me was not a controlling your fear sequence. It was a confronting your fear what is your deepest fear can you confront and master it and and rise above it because then once you get to that point where you you've confronted it and you see okay this is what my greatest fear is then you're able to like use it in your life internalize it and grow above it i would say in a way it sounds to me like it's getting over your fear and, and what's bad about a that place but then then you're not afraid of anything. I think you're, there's always going to be fear in your life. There's always going to, especially, you know, if you're in this action-packed, uh, exciting lifestyle of, of the Jedi, I think understanding that fear is going to be there, uh, to use your fear, to admit your fear, not get over your fear, not get past it. Because fear is going to be something that's going to be with you. I, I'm still, I, I still don't agree with this. I still think that what they're doing is having them confront their fear, admit their fear, be one with their fear. And that's part of like that Buddhist mentality and that, that sense of oneness. But I think that Lucas is trying to bring into the Jedi culture, lore, what mythology, whatever you want to call it. I, I completely respect your opinion on this. <laughs> but me, I'm going to disagree. <laughs> yeah, it's just to me, it's more of the like banishment of emotions that I think yeah. leads to more internal conflict uh, with the Jedi and, and, and leaves them uh, isolated on, on an individual basis. It's going to leave them emotionally isolated. Let's, I also let's think... actually bring up the Jedi Code because we've been talking about it a little bit. And for Please. people who are just jumping in, I actually go into it in another podcast episode. But um, what's interesting is that this is never talked about in the movies. It's yeah, they never list it out. But they right? never talk about it. Um, so let's see. I'm trying to actually pull it up on Wikipedia. Give me a second. 
All right, here you go. It's a mantra. Oh, no, don't go. Just trying to play a video. Okay. There is no emotion. There is peace. There is no ignorance. There is knowledge. There is no passion. There is serenity. There is no chaos. There is harmony. There is no death. There is the force. And then Sounds they like said a lot of exist- absolutism. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, a lot of absolutists. A lot. Um, especially in like the first line, there is no emotion. There is peace because emotion equals attachment, right? And mm-hmm. and that is the primary way that Anakin kind of fell to the dark side. I mean, they're very much like against attachment. But what's interesting to me all the time is that they're against attachment, yet they place them with a Jedi master for for years how can you not mm-hmm. get attached to them i mean look at obi-wan's face and like emotion like guttural response he has when qui-gon gets killed by darth maul like don't tell me there's no attachment there right yeah, and, and then my guess is like he gets upset he and whenever he's upset yoda probably gives him the same bs that he gave anakin which is like <laughs> do not mourn the dead we're all gonna be fine you will see them again and poor like obi-wan probably i mean he totally bought into everything yoda said so he probably used that and maybe he did find peace in that and eventually was able to move on but again look at obi-wan when he's battling anakin and mustafar right he's like you were my brother that that line always like gives me chills away um and when mcgregor said that you know just like you were my brother and he's just torn up like don't tell me there's no emotion there um i think i think there's a little bit deeper there must be other shades to that that I'm not entirely sure or understanding because it feels like they must have known there's no way that you can just not have emotion or passion. I understand there is no chaos. There's harmony. That's great. Let's all work not to have chaos. I work on mm-hmm. that every day in my life. Right. But but the no emotion and no passion again brought about the end of the Jedi and I think also redeemed the Jedi through Luke. Because of his passion, because of his emotion, and because of his love, he was able to redeem Darth Vader. So I think that's an important point to make, which you had kind of made earlier, too. But I mean, I feel like he does that out of his understand, his personal understanding of the Force and by rejecting what his, what his teachers are telling him, what his Jedi teachers are telling mm-hmm. him, which is, you know, abandon these things and work on work on Jedi training, let go of connections and let, let, let go of your emotions. And, and he's like, no. And he uses connection and he uses emotion uh, with his relationship with the force. And, and that's, that's what he does. And I don't believe that that's what the Jedi teach. And I feel like, I, I think you're right in that, uh, Luke finds this redemption at the end of the original trilogy. Uh, I think he does it by throwing out the Jedi handbook and and doing things his way a little bit. And then I think if you super fast forward all the way to the end of uh, Rise of Sky uh, Rise of Skywalker, I feel like it's almost like we haven't learned anything because at the end, Ray is going off doing mm. her own thing by herself. Well, I was going to ask you, as someone who loves The Last Jedi, then, how did you feel about Luke's interpretation of the Force and the Jedi in in The Last Jedi, right? Because he he redeemed Vader. He brought, quote-unquote, balance, which he didn't really. But, like, he brought back the light side of the Force and the Jedi. And um, 
place of goodness, maybe in the galaxy with the force through his, Mm -hmm. his passion and love for his dad. Um, and then again, his, I actually was just, this is tangent, but I was on Quora the other day and, um, someone asked, did Darth Vader kill the emperor out of love for Luke or out of hatred for what the emperor was doing to Luke? And I thought that was a very interesting question. I said, it's obviously for love for Luke because then he Mm. wouldn't be able to become a force spirit and et cetera, et cetera. But then how do you reconcile this and jump to The Last Jedi and how Luke is in The Last Jedi? Uh, Where he's secluded, where he doesn't want to have any emotion for anyone, where he doesn't want to have passion for anything or anyone or anything in the galaxy. I Well, I mean, I... I don't necessarily think that that's what's going on. I think he sees the danger of the Jedi and he knows that as long as he, uh, who has become this mythical figure in the universe is active and out there that he will be seen as the representative of the Jedi, which he no longer believes in. So he has to cut himself off and he has to take himself out of the equation. And I think one of the big things is uh, that he tells Ray that the Jedi don't own the force they they have decided that they are the proprietors of it and that's not right uh and i think by essentially by him becoming a hermit he is destroying the jedi he is getting rid of uh the possibility of there being more jedi because they end up doing more harm than good and a big reason is because they feel they are these magical gatekeepers. So what would you think in an ideal world, like if you had to write the Jedi and or rewrite or whatever, what what do you think? Would there be no Jedi? Would it just be force users and willy-nilly are going off everywhere? Like this would be like Harry Potter with no Hogwarts and people are just blasting with their wands, like people's butts off. Like what what would happen? Like No, I mean I think I think it would be okay for there to be different sects with different beliefs uh that have a relationship with each other i think the jedi council would be something more along the lines of different schools of thoughts sending their representative to that so you would have uh, honestly you would have uh, more of like a, a group of gray jedi you probably would have a more I mean, I hate to say it, but the religious extremists, which you kind of see in the prequel trilogy, you would have, they they would have a representative that they would send. And there would be all these different schools of thought that would be more of a loose alliance that shares uh, ideas and, and, and all of these things. I so think almost like if, the Mandalorian with the two sex, sex t- S-E-C-T-S, just so everyone knows what I'm saying. S-E-C-T-S. I mean, they were kind of like, but like in the end, Din Jaren ended up working with, you know, Bo-Katan and everything. But there was one side who were, you know, there's got Din Jaren with, this is the way we don't take off our helmet. This is how we are Mandalorians. If we take off our helmet, oh no, I have to go on this quest, which is now going to be season three. And then there's like Bo-Katan who's like, no dude, you can take off your helmet. Mandalorian's like a, a way of being in like a culture. It's not not taking off your helmet, right? Almost like that. Yeah. So if you know, there's an enormous universe uh, in Star Wars. So I could see those as being the extremes of the sects, and then I could see like 
17, 25, or 200 different schools of thought that find, that are in the gray area between those two. It's and I think because it's, it's actually kind of like Christianity today, Protestant, yeah. Baptist, Pentecostal, Catholic, Episcopalian, Anglican. <laughs> yeah, there's this whole range. Yeah, everyone is viewing God in the Bible in like these these different ways. Actually, hold on, let me grab something. Okay. All right, so here we go. On, oops, I'm not near my mic. Hold on. Okay, so uh, let me pull up this interesting. This is my Star Wars Insider. You guys can't see it. I think this is the the issue. Give me a second. There's this. Nope. That's Mace Windu's story. Oh, man. I always feel bad for my listeners when I go off on a rabbit hole and I do this. <laughs> like research and stuff. Um, no, that's Dex Jester's story. All right. If I can't find it, I I won't make everyone go through this. Oh, whoops. I, am, I was on the wrong issues. So there's a story in here. And this is it's on the High Republic. Okay. Here it is. And. The High Republic of the Jedi, there was this whole thing about different sects of the Force. Just lost all my magazines. The Path of the Open Hand. Okay, so they had this, like, so again, this is High Republic. It's not been in the movies. Mm -hmm. It's just books and comics right now. But on Jedi, they were, you know, where the Jedi, um, the people who, oh, so kind of like the Rogue One, you, like, you know. So on Jeddah, they there was something called the Path of the Open Hand, and people had come to Jeddah to teach about it. And it said the Force must be allowed to flow freely. The Jedi and all of those like them who manipulate the Force must be stopped. So it's this belief that the Jedi are manipulating the Force, they're controlling the Force, and therefore they should not. They they're almost like looking at the Force as something. They're turning it into something cruel to be used for their own ends, as opposed to to let it run freely. I'm trying to like see it, skim it to see if I can um, find something really interesting to read out of this, but maybe I can do that later. But anyway, I thought that kind of aligned with what you were thinking. 100%. Not quite, not 100% because oh, you're saying sorry. like there should still 95%. be a different sex, <laughs> but like you're, you kind of say like, you know, the Jedi are manipulating, not manipulating the force, but they're controlling it. They're the only ones with the access to it. So if anyone is interested, this is in Star Wars Insider. And it is by um, Tales of Enlightenment, A Different Perspective by George Mann. If anyone is interested in looking that up, you can probably find it online. But it's all about these the way already way back thousands of years, not thousands of years, but I think it was like however many hundred, 500, 600 years before Phantom Menace, people were already saying the Jedi have too much control over the Force. Oh, and the thing what that's that they were arguing in this story is that they were saying, okay, so if you save a life as a Jedi, this is what the path of the open hand believes. If you're a Jedi and you see someone barreling towards like another bystander, right? And a speeder, and they're coming and they're drunk and they're going to kill that person. You can even relate this to real life, right? And the Jedi uses the force to save that person's life and veer the speeder out of the way there will be a death somewhere else because you didn't allow the natural balance of the force to flow and, you know, take control of like, you're controlling a situation which should have been left undone and let the force move freely. And because mm-hmm. of that, you now have someone else is going to die somewhere else that maybe shouldn't have because the Jedi weren't there to save them because the Jedi cannot be everywhere at once. So that was kind of the argument that they were making in that story. That's super interesting. 
It is. Yeah, it's super interesting to me. And like, I think that that brings me to another point. Like, so there's the prophecy that someone would bring balance to the force. If the force flows through all life, I honestly, I don't understand how it could be out of balance. I was trying to think about what could be the things that could be balanced, whether it's life or death or the past, the present, and the future, and all of these things. If it is life and death, then like you said, the Jedi's, uh, you know, might are, are preventing a death here, but then there's a death somewhere else. So are they knocking it out of balance when they engage in a fight and they take a life? Are they knocking it out of balance? Also when, you know, Obi-Wan's force ghost comes back to backseat pilot, uh, Luke Skywalker, is that also knocking the force out of balance by, you know, bringing something out of death and bringing it toward life and, and things like that? Are are the Jedi responsible for this imbalance or is the imbalance just something big and magical and undefinable, uh, kind of like how all Jedi and force stuff was in the first trilogy? It's a question that I don't it's have. It's a big question. <laughs> when I when I was younger, I always viewed it as like people. Like there's too much on the light side of the force with the Jedi and the Jedi Council and all of them that that they almost had to be wiped out in order to bring some kind of balance. But that's Whoa, that is how I looked at it when saying, I was younger. You're yeah, saying he yeah. brought balance to the force by helping to destroy yes, Jedi yes. lives? That's yes, kinda, that is what I that is that's how pretty I viewed serious. It when I was younger. Yeah, I was like I I, like I had this thinking, this thought process, like, okay, Anakin had to wipe everyone. Or not, if not Anakin, someone, something had to have happened because there was too much in the Jedi Council light and size. the Jedi Temple, and like there was just too much light size. They had grown too strong, so it was almost like too much there. There needed to be the because if you're talking about balance, right, and that is what the prophecy was, then there needed to be someone else to wipe it up because then what we were left with before Disney took over was, okay, now there's Anakin and Darth Sidious, the emperor and Obi-Wan and Yoda are the only ones alive and therefore, or using the force in their at the full extent that they can. So therefore that's the balance. Anakin brought balance. That is actually how I looked at it when I was younger. And, and sometimes I'm like, okay, that does make sense, but then it doesn't really hold up when Luke becomes because you're supposed to think that Anakin brought balance to the force through Luke, but then Luke is the only one there. So then we still got an imbalance. So that's why that, that theory doesn't hold up really that much anymore. Yeah. But it was what I was thinking when I was younger. I think that's pretty good. I think that's pretty good. I think, <laughs> I mean, one of the big problems is like, then you apply that and you're like, well, then the light side of the force isn't necessarily good. Right. It's no, I know. I know. Extreme. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and so I, I, I had that thought. I don't like there. that. I also like the concepts of the, I know that there's a couple of different approaches to it, but the gray Jedi, mm-hmm. the idea of, well, there was a, there's a video game where there's actually a gray Jedi, but then there's people who say like Mace Windu tapped into dark sides of the force uh, more than other Jedi. And that's one of the reasons why he has a purple saber. And then uh, even uh, applying that to, uh, Ray, uh, that, that Ray uses her anger. And that's another thing I, I don't think a lot of people talk about is Ray is such an aggressive 
angry character. Like she flies off the handle. Like when she just immediately starts fighting Finn the moment they meet, like she has such a temper. Mm -hmm. Like she, Mm -hmm. you know, she doesn't like what the training bot is doing. So she throws her lightsaber in a forest. Like how irresponsible is that? She just, she is, she's got a temper. But this idea of within I always thought of it more like she was passionate. She was just like, she wasn't about to like try to hold back as we've been talking about. She was like, ugh. (laughs) She would express that, Yeah, and I think think that is, I, I feel like that is a better concept of balance and i think that would make a more complete more healthy concept of a jedi versus what we actually have and what the teachings are and what the books say and the the books in universe and stuff no i know what you're i know what you're saying i think it's kind of like she saw the dark side she looked at it and she rejected it or you could even say she internalized some of it but decided Mm -hmm. that she wasn't going to use it in certain moments i guess it is i mean that's the funny or the good thing about tlj is that it, it presents more questions and answers sometimes about the characters and i think in the same way that she rejects certain things probably like the mo- more extreme darker sides of the dark side i think you can say that luke is rejecting the more extreme things about the light side in how uh, he helped win the the Battle of Endor and how he uh, kept his connections and love and teamwork and all of these things, as well as rejecting the strictness of the Jedi Code and the teaching methodology and all of that. And so what Ray learned from the light side is not the same uh, Jedi teachings that any other Jedi previously had. She's mm-hmm. She didn't get the purest absolutist form that Anakin was taught. Mm. So she, if she herself rejected the more extreme parts of the dark side, then she learned from someone who had already rejected the more extreme tenets of the white side. Right. Right. I feel like we could go on, but I also, Oh, I think we could talk for hours. (laughs) (laughs) We could. This is something that I could grab a glass of wine or a beer and be like, let's hash this out. Um, let's let's end for now. Um, Can I say one more thing? Do you mind? Yes. Yes. Go. If you're listening to this, uh, make sure make sure you, you can do this safely. But please pause, subscribe, hit five stars. This Aww. is a really fun podcast. Oh, and so it's it's talking about Star Wars in a way that's open and a discussion and we admit that everyone is passionate and everyone loves it there's no name calling there's not this toxic element that we run into so much Mm. online about this uh and i think we need more of this and i think we need to support uh uh avenues like this that have these open happy discussions out of love out of fandom out of a passion uh, for this specific storytelling. So please uh, pause it, hit five stars, hit subscribe, uh, check out the blog, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, I think we, we, we should support this platform as much as we can because it is a, uh, a, healthy, uh, a healthy way for us to express our love for, for this universe. I am blushing.
I mean, I don't put the video out here on to anyone. It's just the <laughs> audio. But if if you saw the video, I'm blushing. That's really, really sweet of you. And I am not active enough in asking people to leave reviews, even with my business podcasts. And and sadly, I know that's one way to really get people to listen is to have more reviews and more stars and people writing what they think about it. But I just never do. I guess I'm a little shy. And this is obviously something that's just a passion of mine and a love. And I and I've always believed that fans online be can get so cruel and get so worked up about things. And trust me, I do too. But I think that it's a lot easier to do it when you're writing and you're hiding versus when you're on a podcast and you're talking to someone, which is why I put out the call to say, let's talk about something unpopular, but in a very reasonable manner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, you and I disagreed on pretty much every single point, but I mean, I, we, we both Sometimes, love it. We both love these characters. To be fair, there are times, I feel like I should say that there are times I disagree just to get the conversation moving oh, okay. in a certain direction so there sometimes like I, I think with professor lyrical i had um a conversation with him on the podcast and there were a lot of points i agreed with but i purposefully play devil's advocate mm-hmm. just because it's more it's more interesting that way but i think i think you make a lot of a lot of good points and no i don't agree with everything <laughs> yeah no it, but but that's that's absolutely perfectly fine especially with the amount of content that we get and not just Disney plus stuff, but the amount of writers that are getting to do comics and books and stuff like that. There's plenty of star Wars for everyone out there. Mm. But what, what I like about when we talk about something like the Jedi is that we really get to see George Lucas's genius almost, especially in the prequel trilogy. I think I get mad when people get so angry about the prequel trilogy because I think he, there's a lot more going on there than just surface level. And when we get into conversations like this about the Jedi and the Jedi code and getting into like the characters and the light Mm -hmm. side and the dark side, you're like, wow, Lucas really, he knows his shit. (laughs) Not to, you know, swear, but I just did. Um, He really (laughs) knew what he was doing. We'll say that. We'll say that. Um, But anyway, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Again, Tell us, uh, do you have a, you have a webpage, right? You didn't give us a webpage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm on zjeffries.com. Uh, if you go to zjeffries.com, uh, sign up for the newsletter, we'll get you some free stories to, to start off, let you see, uh, the kind of stuff, uh, that I write and, awesome. uh, Angel of Fate coming out on Valentine's day. Did you know I love, uh, fantasy? I actually love fantasy books. Oh, nice. But, yeah. 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 Well, check it out. Yeah. I got Greek mythology and a little bit of pagan mythology and all kinds of other stuff. And uh, two, two young kids with huge destinies that will save the fate of the fabric of existence if they can stop arguing for five minutes. Good. See, that's the kind of self-promotion I like. All right. <laughs> I will put all that in the show notes so people know where to find you. And again, thank you for this discussion. Hopefully we will jump on another time. Thank you. It's been great being here. Thanks for the discussion.